Our lesson this morning comes from the 17th chapter of Luke's Gospel, starting with the 11th verse. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him, keeping their distance. They called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourself to the priests. And they went. They were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, Were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up, go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. The New Common Lectionary is not a book of sermons that preachers read on Saturday night. It is a prescribed series of scripture lessons that if you follow the New Common Lectionary and you read through year C, year B, and year A, you end up over the course of three years basically reading the entire Bible. There are obviously places that are omitted. If you read all four readings, obviously we don't read all four readings. We're sticking to the Gospels. But I find it interesting that the New Common Lectionary, as it turns its page toward October, all of the readings seem to have a stewardship emphasis. Yes, they do. We have 10 lepers, 10 of them, and they're all healed, and one comes back. So that tenth comes back into the church, as the Bible says it ought to. The tithe is the Lord, is holy unto the Lord. Bring all the tithes back into the storehouse, that, that. So I thought, what a great passage to preach right here in the, at the beginning of, of um, October, because tomorrow uh, you will receive, or no, tomorrow we mail out a, a letter and a pledge card and all that, and financial campaign stuff is starting. So here we are, the tithing lepers. I am not going to do that to you, okay? That is not what... Okay, everybody, take your hand off your wallets, relax. I want you, in your imagination, to just stand by the roadside for a couple of minutes. Just just stand there, and let's walk through this passage together. Can you do that? Wherever your mind wants, you can be standing, you can be in a rocking chair, you can be in an easy chair. Just wherever you need to be as we deal with these lepers and their encounter with Jesus. The first thing we notice is that Jesus is in between. He's nowhere. He is, according to Luke, between Samaria and Galilee, and the the journey from Galilee down to Jerusalem took Jews through a circuitous route so they could avoid Samaria. Jesus is in no man's land. No good Jew really wants to be here. And yet there he is. 
And he entered a village, and this village is so small, it doesn't even get a name. It's insignificant. It doesn't matter. It's never going to be on a map. It's never going to be famous. So Jesus is at a place that nobody cares about. He's just in a place. And there are ten lepers. Leprosy in the Bible could have been Hansen's disease, which is a biological disease and transferred from human being to human being. Leprosy could be eczema, psoriasis, ringworm. Leprosy could be a boil you get on your arm. There are some very bad acnes that would qualify as leprosy in the Old Testament and there in the New Testament. When you were a leper, according to Jewish ceremonial law, you were unclean. You were required to be at least six feet from the nearest human being, to not allow them to casually touch you, to not allow any contact with you. You were required to stand and call unclean. Unclean. You were separated from your family. They were not allowed to be around you because you were unclean. You were separated from the community. Same reason. You're unclean. You were not allowed into the temple. You were not allowed into the temple even on Yom Kippur. You were not allowed into the temple to sacrifice for your sins. You were separated from everything that brought meaning, from everything that brought life to you. It was taken away from you because you were a leper. The only thing you could do is beg for mercy or alms. That was it. There's been one time in American culture where we were near this, and it was back in the early 80s when AIDS just was being diagnosed, and it was spreading, it was spreading rapidly, and the scientists didn't know what it was, how it was spreading, they just knew that that people that got it were dying horrible deaths. And we in this country, until we had a handle on really what it was and how it was spread, were treating people with AIDS as the Old Testament treated the lepers. As a matter of fact, the first generation of people who died as a result of AIDS were not allowed to be embalmed. They had to be cremated because it wasn't known what kind of danger that disease was to other people. Can you imagine living in a culture where you are that separated from everything? That you have to stand there and announce to the world, I've got this. I am a leper. I am unclean. Don't come near me. There's no love. There's no compassion. There's no human touch. They have to beg for what they receive. And what happens is lepers basically form their own communities. They're estranged from everybody except 
lepers. So there they are, and you're standing there on the side of that road, and you're seeing these ten men who are separated from everything. And along comes Jesus. And they call out saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. He didn't announce to them that they were healed. He prescribed to them what the Levitical law said they needed to do. Show yourself to the priest. And what would happen is you'd go in, you would, you would show your, your leprosy or your disease to the priest. And the priest would either declare it leprosy or something else. If it was something else, there would be a a ritual for your cleansing and you could hopefully rejoin the community. So Jesus is prescribing to them what the Levitical law says they ought to do. They ought to show themselves to the priest in order that they may be cleansed. Leprosy also is the way the Bible likes to talk about sin. Because sin is separation from God, and sin creates separation from humanity. Sin renders us unclean. We cannot approach a holy God in a sinful state. So in a way, there are parallels between leprosy and sin. And the title of the sermon, for those of you who are not Latin aficionados, comes from the Catholic Mass, where the priest is at the point of sprinkling holy water on the congregation. And the phrase means, wash me, Lord, wash me. It comes from the 51st Psalm where David says, Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Purge me with hyssop and I will be made clean. Wash me and I shall be white, whiter than snow. The cry of the lepers is for Jesus to cleanse their physical body and by extension to cleanse their spirit, to forgive them of their sins, to help them move past the sin that's in their lives. There's a beautiful story in the Old Testament about another leper. You know him as Naaman. It's in the fifth chapter of 2 Kings. And Naaman is the commander of the army of the king of Aram. I mean, Naaman is about the the baddest commander we can have. He has a Mercedes-Benz chariot with all the latest technology. He has slaves that carry his spears and his bows and everything he needs for war. He is a great man according to the text, but the text says he had leprosy. That under his magnificent robes, under all the symbols he had of power and wealth, he was diseased. And that's us. No matter how much we clean up the outside, sometimes there's darkness at the very core of our beings. And Naaman was frustrated about his physical malady. And it's fun in the fifth chapter, all the servants that get involved. Naaman's wife has a servant girl who's come from Israel. And the servant girl tells Naaman's wife, you know, if Naaman were just in, in, in Israel, there's a prophet, Elisha, who could do something. 
So Naaman goes to the king of Aram and works up a deal. And the king gives Naaman a bunch of stuff to give to the king of Israel so the healing can take place. So Naaman is packing his chariot, and here's what he took. Naaman went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and I love this one, and ten sets of garments. I mean, what's he packing there? I mean, is it suits to change every day? How many dresses does does Naaman have? Uh, We're going to barter these suits, these sets of garments. He has a letter to the king of Israel, which reads, you know, when this letter reaches you, know that I've sent Naaman. Naaman needs to be cured of his leprosy. The king rends his garments because he's not a healer. And Elisha finds out that the king has torn his garment. He says, King, why would you tear your clothes? Send him to me. I know what to do. I've got the leprosy ritual. So Naaman, with his horses and his chariots, I mean, he's got a whole entourage. He's so powerful. They pull up to the preacher Elisha's house. Naaman is certain that the preacher Elisha is going to come out and do a healing ritual that there's going to be anointing, there are going to be prayers, going to be tambourines, we're going to sing with the guitar, we're going to have a full-blown church service because he's Naaman. And besides, he's there in his orange Mercedes-Benz chariot with these clothes hanging off. I, I, every time I see this chariot, it's got a clothes rack on the back. It just, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't get that image out of my mind, Naaman riding up with the clothes blowing in the wind. And Elisha doesn't even come out. Elijah sends his servant, says, go tell, go tell Naaman to dip in the Jordan seven times, immerse himself in the Jordan seven times. And Naaman is furious. He's furious. Back in Naaman's hometown Damascus there are two rivers and these two rivers have Desanti water flowing through them it's pure and clean and wonderful water and the Jordan River looks like a bayou with the shrimp boats parked in it it's dirty it's muddy And Naaman's offended. But his slave says to him, Naaman, if the prophet had told you to do something mighty, you would have done it. But he tells you to immerse yourself seven times and it upsets you. Get down there and immerse yourself. So Naaman goes down in the river first time, down, back up, nothing. Second time, down and back up. Now, if you want to see a funny sight, you can try this later tonight at either your swimming pool or your bathtub. Immerse yourself and see how silly it looks. Second time, down and back up. Third time, down and back up. Fourth time, down and back up. Fifth time, down and back up. Sixth time, down and back up, and nothing has happened. Seventh time. And the Hebrew says... I'm looking on purpose. The Hebrew says, 
that when Naaman came up the seventh time, his skin was as a baby's. A baby's. Healed. Forgiven. Baby skin, a new start. Naaman, who was separated from culture, has met God's amazing grace. These lepers who were separated from culture have met Jesus Christ, the incarnation, God's amazing grace. And one comes back to say thank you. One. Just one. One expresses gratitude. I've actually seen this happen. Go into a hospital room, somebody's about to have surgery. They haven't really been users of their church membership. But you go there and you pray for them because that's what Christ called us to do. And you're there talking to them and they start promising you everything. Oh, preacher, once I get my widget fixed, I'm going to be back in church. Just as soon as I get out of this hospital, I'm going to be back in church. I'll be there every Sunday, preacher. Pray for them. They get their widget fixed. Never see them. I have a list. If you'd like my list, I'll let you pray for my list of people who promised me, once God heals me, I'll be back in church. I had this guy in one church. His wife came to church all the time. He never did. He was friendly enough and nice enough. He just didn't bother coming to church. I think he sent his wife, said, go find out what they're saying. Come back and tell me. Well, he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, fairly advanced pancreatic cancer. And the Sunday after he was diagnosed, he was right there on the second row. And in that church, you cannot get closer to the preacher than on the second row of that church. He was right there on the second row with his wife. And every Sunday, he was right there in church. He even had the ministers of the church do a healing service for him, and we were glad to do it, and we did the full-blown service one Sunday, and he appreciated that. I went to MD Anderson when he had his surgery. He didn't have the North American Whipple procedure. He had to have the Japanese Whipple procedure because of how his pancreas was located, and he survived his surgery very well. Thank you very much. I went two weeks later back to MD Anderson to pray for him before he got out and went home, and the church did everything the church was supposed to do. When he arrived back, we had meals. We had meals lined up for weeks. We wrote cards and notes. We made visits. We did everything we could do. And the moment his, his diagnosis came back or the report came back, said, dude, you're healed. You ain't got no cancer no more. You are a healed human being. Didn't see him again in church. 
What is that? It's a lack of gratitude. Jesus said, didn't I heal ten of you? I did heal ten. Where are the other nine? Could they not come back and say, thank you? Could they not offer praise to God for his healing power and his healing presence? I I was friends with a um, couple that by the time I knew them, they were in their 80s. And they told me that when they got married, they had decided that they would be a tithing couple, that they would give 10% of everything they ever made to the church. And they, they said they did it not because they were afraid of God. They didn't do it out of a sense of guilt. They did it out of a sense of gratitude. But what they said about it was telling. They said, we did this because we were afraid of what we would become if we didn't do this. And they were generous people. And they were grateful people. The the one came back and expressed gratitude to Jesus. And he was a Samaritan. So you've been standing there, or you've been sitting, as I've talked you through being separated from God. And the grace of God and the healing power that comes and that our response to that is gratitude. I want to suggest to you that when Jesus speaks his last phrase to the leper, he's actually talking to you and me. Then he said to the leper, get up, go on your way. Your faith has made you well. The Greek word is Based on the verb sozo, it means whole, well, saved. You could actually say, get up and go on your way. Your faith has saved you. We can observe the biblical text for just so long, but after a while, we have to engage it and we have to go and proclaim it. So the command of Jesus, once you've stood on the side of the road and watched this play play out, is for you to get up and go tell your story. And yes, you have a story. A lot of you have a story of being separated from God, being separated from family, being separated from the community of faith. But you experience God's love and grace in your life, and you came back to wholeness, and you came back to wellness, and you were saved, and you've expressed that in your gratitude. It's your story. Nobody else is narrating your story for you. It's your story. And people to respond, people will respond to your story if you will do one simple thing. Tell your story. There's some amazing stories in this room, some amazing stories of God's love and grace active right here among us. Tell your story. Because there's somebody right now in your life that needs your story. They're feeling separated. They don't know about God's love and grace. They don't know what it is to live out of a spirit of gratitude. They need to hear it narrated for them. So, I say to you what Jesus said to the lepers. Get up and go on your way. Live out and tell your story. Would you stand and pray with me? 
We thank you, O God, for the stories that we have, for the stories of Christ, love, and grace in our lives, for the transforming power that you've brought us. We pray, O Lord, for healing, for wholeness, for salvation. And in response to that, receive our thanks, our praise, and our grateful hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Podcast. To find out more about Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityreston.org.